Good morning, New Life. Can we all stand together as we prepare to worship the worthy God? And as we do, would you just greet your neighbor with a, how are you doing this morning?
just remember your promises in our own life, God, and in our own stories, Lord. And God, I just pray that you would give us the boldness, even today, um, would that be our charge? Maybe on the patio and we're fellowshipping or when we're going home later, God, would we just share maybe, Lord, how you've been faithful in the past and how your promises have brought us through seasons of uncertainty and seasons of, of fear and seasons of doubt and of worry, Lord Jesus. God, we're just holding on to hope in you this morning. And as we continue in our time of worship, Lord, may we focus just on your promises, God. The scriptures in Genesis 28, 15. What's more, I am with you and I will protect you wherever you go, says the Lord. One day I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have finished giving you everything I have promised you. God, we just, we lean into that promise, Lord, and so many more from scripture that speak of your faithfulness and that all your promises are true, God. This uh, quote from Dietrich Bonhoeffer reminded me of, of the faithfulness of the promises of God. He says that God does not give us everything we want. Sometimes it's about kind of changing our focus and tuning our hearts to his, right? Because he says, but he does fulfill his promises, leading us along the best and straightest paths to himself. So if we just trust in God and if we lean into his understanding, and put our faith in him, literally taking steps, sometimes that are in complete darkness. You don't know where you're going. Remember that he is the light though, and he is guiding our steps. He has us focused on him. And when we do that, William Carey says that the future is as bright as the promises of God, amen? The future is as bright as the promises of God. Can we just think about that for a moment? Can we just contemplate the goodness of God? Think of your own stories where the future maybe didn't look so bright. It looked bleak and it looked dark and it looked scary. But when you leaned into the promises of God, how much more did you trust that the next steps were gonna be taken care of? How much more did you trust that he might not answer all the prayers the way that you think that they should go, but that he is still a comfort, he is still faithful, he is still true to his word, he is still leaning in to you, knowing that he loves you more than any other power on this earth can, and when you love him in return, all we can do is say, God, you're so faithful. God, you're so good. God, you're so beautiful and you're so righteous. Your, your ways are not my ways. Your plans are not my plans. Yours are so much better than mine, Lord Jesus. And that doesn't mean that we don't struggle here in this earth, beloved. But it does mean that in the struggles, God is faithful to be near and to be present. And so God, we just trust you this morning. Lord, forgive us when we've kind of wrestled with you and fought with you, trying to understand what you hold for our tomorrow, God. God, we just hold that all intention now. And 
despite the circumstances in our current situations, we still know that we worship a worthy God. That's why we're here, amen? You are why we're here, Lord. And we're not just coming into these doors hoping that we can get something out of you this morning, God. We wanna come into worship together corporately and offer you something, Lord Jesus. And so we offer you our praise. We offer you our thanksgiving and we offer you our gratitude, God. We offer you our lives as a holy sacrifice. We lay ourselves down at your feet, O Lord. God, you are worthy of our praises. And so as we continue to sing songs to you now, God, would we not just sing songs? But we, would we actually have a mindset and a posture in our bodies that would exalt you on high, Lord? Would we raise our hands? Would we lift our voices? Would we clap our hands? Would we bow at your throne, Lord, knowing that you are here moving in this place? God, we welcome you to just give us new revelation of how much you love us. Give us new revelation of what you have for us. Give us new revelation of where you want us to go. Lord, lead us and we will follow your promises still stand. Great is your faithfulness, O Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Father of kindness, you have poured out grace. You brought me out of darkness, you have filled me with peace. And giver of mercy, or my help in time of need. Lord, I can't help but sing, we'll sing faithful. Faithful you are. Promises are yes and amen. All your promises are yes and amen. We believe it. We believe that this morning, God. All your promises are yes and amen. So beautiful Savior, you have brought You have broken every curse Oh, blessed Redeemer You have set this captive free Lord, I can't help but sing We sing together
Lord, we delight in your promises. We hold true to your word, God. Let's sing. That I will rest in your promises. My confidence is your faithfulness. I will rest in your promises. My confidence is your faithfulness. thank you so much for this morning, Lord. The opportunity to gather, to lift our voices, to raise our hands, Lord, and to say yes and amen to you, to your will, your purpose. Father, I just thank you so much that you give us breath, that you give us voices, that you give us eyes and ears and hearts and our whole beings, Lord, to be lifted up to you. So, Father, I just pray that this morning, that as we sit and as we listen and then we take in your word, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would be through Philip, that you would literally open up our lives, Lord, that we hear all things that you have to say to us this morning. May we walk out of here this morning completely transformed and more and more like you. So we give everyone to you this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So this morning, we're going to continue in our time of worship. I would like to invite the ushers to come forward to receive the tithes and the offerings. And as the baskets go around, I don't know about you, but I just feel like God is good. And I feel like it is a morning in which we can declare God is good. And it's exciting to be here, and it's exciting to know him. And if you're with us this morning, and this is your very first time being here, I just want to let you know, we're not only excited for you to be here, we want to meet you. We want to introduce ourselves. We want to know who you are. Because here at New Life, we don't want this to be a place you just come and stop in and don't come back. We want this to be a place that you come and you realize, I want to be here. How many of you want to be here every single Sunday? It's just, yeah, look at the hands. 
This is a place that we come because we are about God. So if you're new to us, you haven't been with us this morning, the one thing I hope that you walk away with is we are here because we want to worship him. We are here because we want to know, grow and grow and grow with Jesus. There's another opportunity that I just want to share with you really quickly this morning, and that is if you want to grow and you want to spend some more time worshiping this morning, then join us on Wednesday. This Wednesday is last Wednesday. We're starting it back up this fall, but it's a special Wednesday in my opinion, because any time that we get to actually come together again during the week and worship him, it's going to be about worship. You're going to learn about worship. You're going to learn about the expressions of worship and you get to worship. So we invite you to join us to last Wednesday. Be a part of it. Take the opportunity to come and join with the generations and just be a part of the church one more time this week. So this morning, I'm excited. We have Pastor Philip preaching with us. He's going to bring us the message. Be ready. He is going to stand probably on the edge of the stage, so it'll be okay. Don't panic. All right. But I just pray that his words are just filled by the Lord. So prepare your eyes and your hearts for all he has to say. This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. These stones will stand as a memorial among the people of Israel forever. Today you will know that the living God is among you. He did this so all the nations of the earth might know that the Lord's hand is powerful, and so you might fear the Lord your God forever. So good morning, church. How we doing? How, how are you feeling? How are you living? You good? Welcome those online, joining us online, uh, those on the patio, uh, yeah, I pray, it probably feels very good out there. So welcome to you. Um, hopefully you're not getting sunburn out there. But, uh, and as, it seems like there is a theme this morning, church. And the theme is, oh man, hopefully that, um, okay, let's breathe. Because even as I said, there's a theme this morning, I, had, there's, I felt tears already coming. So if, if it happens, it happens. But I'm, I wanted to let you know, men, men in the room, I'm not trying to cry because I want to emotionally manipulate you in the room. That's not what I, okay. So if emotions come, I apologize. But let me just give you the theme of this morning so far. We, have, we are in a series called Greater Things. And we, this is week two. We're walking through the first four chapters of the book of Joshua. And as we were singing this, and I have the privilege of walking through Joshua chapter three. And um, before we get there, as we were singing, for me it's clear, um, knowing kind of the preparation before, behind the service and the songs and, we're, and where we're going scripture-wise, when we're going after scripture, that this morning as I walked into this space, I didn't know yet. I know I'm going Joshua 3, I know that, but waiting on the Lord, having people pray over me and saying like, we believe that the Spirit's gonna speak through you, all this stuff, and so standing true for me personally, in the promise and the power of the Spirit that He's going to lead because that's what He does. I can get up here and share a cute story 
I can open up some Bible and, and share from you, but if, 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 if the Spirit does not move and penetrate your hearts, captivate you, then we will just hear some word and go home. But if God does not meet with us, as he tells Joshua, as he told Moses, as he told Abraham, I'm with you. As Jesus has to- told us and his disciples when he went back into the uh, sit at the right hand of the Father, he says, I am with you. So I think that we as believers, we get too caught up in doing for God that we forget that God is with us in the doing. We get caught up in, man, I hope they sing my song. That we get caught up in, oh, it's too loud in here. We get caught up in all these things. And if we're not careful, we will end up like the people of Israel that were 20 years old, 20 years old and older that did not enter into God's promise, promised land. And why? Because, because the people of Israel complained and grumbled. So those who are over 20 years old in this room, I want to encourage you and challenge you from God's word through the history, because we are in a historical book of the book of Joshua, and looking at the past, because if we forget the past, we'll forget. So reminding us, those who are 20 years old and older, do not come into God's presence. Do not come into the congregation of of the believers and spend your time, spend your relationship with Jesus grumbling and complaining about what God's doing. And so what I want to say is before we get into all of that, I feel like there is a theme. Even in our complaining, even in our grumbling, even in our pettiness, church, the scripture says in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 13, if we, are un- if we are unfaithful, he, Jesus, the creator God, remains faithful and he cannot deny himself. And as I was sitting there during worship, during that last song, my, my mind goes to Hebrews chapter 3 because I was trying to figure out how am I going to point you from Joshua 3, from what happened in the past, what Joshua's currently going through, and what is our hope? Where do we see Jesus in Joshua chapter 3? Where, where, what is our hope? And so my thing is, as the Israelites are going into the promised land, they are going into the land for rest because why? They have been slaved and, and oppressed and they've been wandering they are a people without a land. And then a part of the promise that God gave to Moses to give to the Israelites was, I'm going to give you a land. When you enter that land, there will be rest for you. And how many of us know our word that in Hebrews chapter 3 that Jesus is now our rest? And so I want to read a few scriptures before we get to our passage. Is that cool? So I, I hope that you're going to take notes and not just watch me open the word and read through it. I hope you engage, you lean in, you write stuff down, you go back home and, and study the scriptures to, for, for yourself and not just believe everything I'm saying, even though I'm not trying to deceive anyone in this room. Why would I do that? But I want you to take down the scriptures that I am going to read. Hebrews chapter, I already read 2 Timothy 3, 12, 13. I'm going to be in Hebrews chapter 3. And it's so crazy because my mind was not even in Hebrews at all. And God already knows my heart that he, I, I want to take us to where's Jesus in Joshua 3 and what is our hope as believers in 2023. And I was reading through 
Hebrews chapter 3 up here, and it talks about Moses. It talks about the people wandering. It talks about Joshua, and I'm like, God, thank you for leading your people. So the scripture says in Hebrews chapter 3, and so, dear friends, who I'm sorry. And so, dear brothers and sisters, who belong to God and are partners with those who are called to heaven, think carefully about this Jesus, whom we declare to be God's messenger and high priest, for he was faithful to God. There's that word again, faithful. There's our theme again this morning, faithful. For he, Jesus, was faithful to God, who, was, who appointed him just as Moses served faithfully when he was entrusted with God's entire house. But Jesus deserves far more glory than Moses, just as, just as a person who builds a house deserves more praise than the house itself. For every house has a builder, but the one who built everything is God himself. Let me pause right there. <laughs> the pastoral team, the leadership team at this church is not building this church. Amen, somebody. God himself, through the person of Jesus, is building his church. And we get to be a part of that. Him building something in the earth. And when you and I live out this announcement of the euangelion, the good news of the gospel of the kingdom, we are in partnership of Jesus. We are being used by God to build his house called the church. Moving on. Verse 5 of Hebrews chapter 3. Moses was certainly faithful in God's house as a servant. And that should be, I, I want to ask you humbly, congregation, as the leadership team here at New Life tries to lead the congregation, I, I, I ask that you would pray for the leadership here. Pray for the board members here. Just as Moses led the people faithfully, that we would lead this congregation faithfully. Moses was certainly faithful in God's house as a servant. His work was an illustration of the truths God would reveal later. So I just want you to know, when we, when we actually get to Joshua chapter 3, it's not about Joshua and the, and the Israelites crossing in the It's not about that because everything in Scripture in the Old Testament is an illustration, is a parable pointing to something greater, a.k.a. Jesus, and what he has established and what he is continuing establishing on the earth. So let us, let us not get caught up in Bible stories that we forget the whole narrative of what God is doing through the people of Israel, through the leader of Joshua. It's a greater picture of Jesus leading his people into the promised land. Verse 6, but Christ as the Son of God is in charge of God's entire household and we are God's house if we keep our courage, uh-oh, that makes me think about what, what God commended Joshua as the leader of Moses had, gone, had died and passed away. God raised up Joshua to be the new leader. And what, would, what, what, did, what was Joshua's uh, instruction from the Lord? Be strong and courageous as you, as you lead these, the, these people into the promised land that they have been waiting for for generations after generations. You're going to need strength. You're going to need courage. Why? Because we're going to feel weak sometimes. Believers, as we live a life worthy of the call that God's placed on us, we're going to feel weak at times. Oh, we can't do this. I can't be about my father's business. I can't share Jesus with my coworker. I can't, I can't, I can't. 
from the scriptures this morning, we need to be reminded to be, to be strong, not in our own ability, but to be strong in the Lord. The joy of the Lord is my strength, as some psalmist wrote. And then his other instruction was be very courageous. Because we're going to walk in fear a lot of the times. We're going to be fearful of what our coworkers are going to say if our life actually represents Jesus. We're going to walk in fear about the gospel of the kingdom. We're going to walk in fear like, oh, I don't know enough scripture. I don't know the gospel. I don't know the gospel of the kingdom. We're going to walk in fear. And fear is what's, mind you, fear has a, has a lot of power over lives. Think about what you're fearful of. A lot, of. a lot of people are fearful of small little things like spiders, creatures that crawl on their little bellies. But think about this idea. Typically, the things that we're fearful of, they tend to control us. Example, if there's a spider, we, we get all weird, we stay away, we, we jump up on stuff all the time, like spider, spider. It's like, do you not see? That small little thing. No, I, I need you to keep playing. Yeah, thank you. This is Jonathan, by the way. Yeah, yeah. So as so as we're talking about fear, we let small things like spiders control our entire like what what we do. And yet, do you not understand that you are much bigger than that little spider? And I bring this up to say. Usually what we fear controls us. And then I think that's why God says, fear me. That's why the scripture says to be, in, 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 in Proverbs 1, the fear the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And that's why we're charged, it, even in the book that we're going to look at today, fear the Lord. As I hopefully wrap up in Joshua chapter 4, in 23 and 24, that's the why in Joshua 4, 23 and 24, of what God did in Joshua chapter three. Does that make sense? And that why in Joshua 4, 23 and 24, one of those things is the reason why God did that is to show his mighty hand because our God is is mighty to save. And also he says, fear the Lord. So Joshua's command was be strong and courageous. Walk in courage. He goes on to say this, and I said all that to say about because the scripture says we are God's house if we keep our courage and remain confident in ourselves. Nope. If we, re- we remain confident in our good works. Nope. If we remain faithful in our pedigree. Nope. If we remain confident and faithful in our tithes and offerings. Nope. If we remain confident and faithful in our ability to come to church on Sunday, Wednesday and all these things and the women's gathering tonight. Plug. No, it says, if we keep our courage and remain confident in our hope in Christ, our hopes in Christ, in Christ alone. And I don't say that to get amens. I don't say that to get, I say it because that's what really, what we're trying to help you understand as you keep coming back is that your confidence is in Jesus, not a pastor, not a church, not in a nation, but your confidence is in Christ. Somewhere in the New Testament says, Christ in you is the hope of glory. I hope you're being blessed this morning. We, we, we ain't even in our text yet. I know it's proper, I mean, that's wrong grammar, but you know. I'm from North Carolina, so what do you, what do you expect? 
Verse 7, this is why the Holy Spirit says, Today when you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. As Israel did when they rebelled, when they were tested, when they tested me in the wilderness. Okay, so I'm not too far off. We're still talking about when God was about to lead his people into the, into the promised land. But some of those people in Israel, they hardened their hearts towards God. They complained and grumbled. Moses, why would you bring us out here in the desert to kill us? I wish we were back in Egypt. Do you, do you know what Egypt re- represented to the people of God? Oppression, slavery, not freedom. Oh, I wish that we were back in Egypt. My God, aren't that, isn't that most of us a lot of our days? God, I just wish I was filling the blank. I know you brought me from some stuff that was hard. I know you brought me and you saved me and you placed my feet on solid ground, but I wish sometimes I was, what, living in darkness again? So the scripture says, today when you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts as Israel did when they rebelled, when they tested me in the wilderness. There your ancestors tested and tried my patience. Ooh, that sounds like my mom right there growing up. Boy, you try my patience right now. Even though they saw my miraculous or my miracles for 40 years. That, sorry, I can't help myself. This makes me think about Matthew chapter 7. Write it down. Matthew chapter 7, verse 21 when you have this, this, the, the red letters of Jesus, and he says, some will say, Lord, Lord, didn't we do all these miracles in your name? Didn't we cast out demons? Didn't we prophesy? Didn't we speak in tongues? And Jesus says, uh, I never knew you, though. Away from me, you evil servant. We can come to church all day long and see God's power, see, see, see miracles, see healings, and still forget, and still choose to harden our hearts. And be like the people of Israel. My challenge and encouragement to you, church. Today, from the scriptures, today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. So I was angry with them and I said, their hearts always turn away from me. They refuse to do what I tell them. So in my anger, I took an oath. There will never be they will never enter my place of rest. So be careful then, brothers and sisters. Make sure that you, your own hearts are not evil and unbelieving, turning, away, turning you away from the living God. I love how some of these words that the, the author of Hebrew, Hebrews is saying because it's tying back to Joshua 3, and I haven't even read it yet. The living God, the living God. You must warn each other every day. While it, while it is still today, so that none of you will be deceived by sin and hardened against God. For if we are faithful, and there that word is again, faithful, to the end, trusting God just as, a, as firmly as we, when we first believed, we will share in all that belongs to Christ. Remember it, what it says, the scriptures, today when you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts as Israel did when they rebelled. And who was it who rebelled against God even though they heard his voice? Was not, was not it the people Moses led out of Egypt and who made God angry for 40 years? Wasn't it the people who sinned, whose corpse lay in the wilderness and to those or to whom was God speaking when he took an oath that they would never enter his rest? Wasn't it the people who disobeyed him? 
So we see that because of their unbelief, they were not able to enter his rest. And then it goes on to talk about in chapter 4 of Hebrews, God's promise of entering his rest still stands. I love this. I love this. I know we have the honor and privilege to uh, join the Bradley family on Friday evenings to do a Sabbath dinner with them. They've opened their home up, and we get to uh, be reminded over dinner and through Scripture and through a rich history of God's people to stop and cease from what we do to remember that God is in control. And yet there is still rest promised for God's people. It still stands today. Some of you in this room, you you have not bowed your knee to Jesus yet. Yes, Jesus is cool that he's Savior. It's cool. But the scripture also declares that he's not just Savior, he's Lord. And the Bible teaches us in Romans chapter 10 that if you simply believe in your heart that Christ was raised from the dead, you will be saved. So putting your faith and your trust, your full confidence and your weight in, in the work of Jesus, that's what saves you. And it, just, it, it doesn't just save you from your past, present, and future sin, sin but it saves you to, the, to live a life and empowers you to live a life worthy of the calling that God put on you. And remembering the promises of God. I hope you're okay that I'm taking my time. Jump down to verse 8 in chapter 4 of Hebrews. Now, if Joshua had succeeded in giving them this rest, God would not have spoken about another day of rest still to come. So there is a special rest still waiting for the people of God. For all who have entered into God's rest have rested from their labors just as God did after creating the world. So let us do our best to enter that rest. But if we disobey God as the people of Israel did, we will fail. And I love this. This is a scripture that we love to quote so much, but listen to it in the context. Verse 12, for the word of God is alive and powerful. The word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul, spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes, uh uh-oh, the Word of God exposes. Just like John chapter 3, verse 17. John chapter 3, verse 17 through through 21, how it talks about how when God's light came into the world, people did not want to step into that light before their, their deeds were evil and they didn't want to be exposed. Guess what God's Word does? His written Word, but also the Word made flesh. Jesus also does this. By the power of his spirit, God's word exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God. Everything is naked and exposed before his eyes. And he is the one to whom we are accountable. So I got, I got 19 minutes with you left. I'm going to pray and then we're going to jump into Joshua chapter 3. Are we good? All right. So Father, we come before you. We thank you, Lord, for that long introduction. God, we thank you, Lord, that you are a God that still speaks, that you are a God who still leads. And, Lord, we come before you in humility right now. We know that we we are not you, but we just want to acknowledge that you are God and we are not. We want to hear from you this morning. So I thank you, God, 
I, I praise your name, Lord. We praise your name, God. We give you thanks. You tell us to enter into your courts with thanksgiving and praise. And so, Lord, that's what we do right now. We thank you, Lord, for giving us new life in Christ. We thank you, Lord, for waking us up this morning and giving us new mercy to walk in today. We thank you, Lord, that the mercy seat was the judgment seat, but because there's blood being poured out, we have mercy now. And so, Lord, we thank you, God, for your presence. We thank you, Lord, that we have the scriptures to look on, to learn from, but also be encouraged by what you have done and what you are continuing to do. And so, Lord, I pray that we, as, as, as your church, hear, that, that we would have open ears to hear your voice this morning, and that if we hear your voice, that we would not harden our hearts. We, we pray this in Jesus' name. If you love God, say amen. Amen, amen, and amen. Jonathan, thank you so much for laboring with me on, this, on that. So if you have a script, if you have a Bible, uh, I want to encourage you to uh, go ahead and open it up. Um, Joshua chapter 3 is where we are. We are doing this thing on um, Wednesday nights. For those who do not know, I am uh, one of the high school, I mean, one of the youth pastors here at this church. And what we try to encourage the young people that come into um, our space across the streets on a Wednesday night is, hey, BYOB, which is bring your own Bible. I know it sounds, you know, whatever, but what, you know. But we, we want to encourage our, the, the uh, junior high and high school kids to, when, when you come into a space, bring your Bible. Why? So that because we're going to open this thing and we're going to walk you through it, hopefully by, the, hopefully by the power of the Spirit, and hopefully the Spirit of God will illuminate something, will teach us something, will remind us something from his word. And so I want you to grab your Bible out and turn with me to Joshua chapter 3. And if you don't have a Bible, it's all good. We have this big electronic Bible up here. And so I want to, I want to walk us through. My task for us this morning is to talk about Joshua 3 and the obstacles that the people of God had before they entered into the promised land. But as you know me, or if you're getting to know me, I can't just start in Joshua 3, can I? No, because the text doesn't allow me to do that. So at this point, I want you to remember, at this point, Joshua is now the new leader after Moses, the, the leader, has passed away. Moses did not get to enter into the promised land like he was going to because of his disobedience and not listening to God's word, but yet he got him up to this point. And at this point, Joshua is now raised up to now take God's people actually into the promised land. Now, mind you, if you know anything about the story Way back in Genesis chapter 12, we get this idea where God calls another person. God causes and raises up another human to live for him, to be about his business. And so that person's name is Abraham. Abraham was called out of the nations. And God said, hey, hey Abraham, I'm going, to bless, I'm going to give you a bunch of kids. At this point, Abraham and his wife Sarah were very old, as the scripture says, and they, and they thought it was comical when God spoke to them and said, I'm going to make you the father of many nations. And look up at the, at the sky. You see all these stars? That's how many descendants you're going to have. But yet, when, when they get this word of God, they have no descendants. They have no offspring. They have no little babies. 
And so this is the word that God gave Abraham. I'm gonna bless you and make you into a great nation. And you're gonna be the father of many nations. And then also after he tells him that, he says that, and you're, and you're gonna be a blessing. I'm gonna bless you to be a blessing. And anyone who blesses you, I'll bless them. Anyone who curses you, I'll curse them. But also, I'm gonna give you a land as well. So there's two things that God gave to Abraham. I'm gonna make you a great nation and I'm also gonna give you some land. I wish, it was, I wish God would tell me that in 2023 here in California. I'm gonna give you some land. <laughs> Wouldn't that be nice? Golly. Whoo, it's expensive out here in these streets. <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Um, so this is the promise that God gave Abraham, right? I'm gonna bless you and I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you some land. And so the people of God have this, have this promise and then mind you, when they get to this, there's a lot that happens in the story that we don't have time to jump through. So I would encourage you to go back in your Bibles and read Genesis 12 all the way to Joshua. That's a lot of scripture to read, but you know, you do it if you want to. It's a free country. Um, and so we, we have a lot that happens in the story with the people of God and, and people that God raises up to lead them. And so uh, they come out, the people of God are in slavery with Egypt. And it was there that, that we have this, this idea that God rescued, he saved his people. And we get this word, um, that whole story of, of, of Israel and Egypt and being, uh, uh, you know, walking through the Red Sea and God splitting the waters and all this is and the Passover, all this stuff. This is where we get our, our idea, and this is where the scriptures get the idea of, of God rescuing his people. And that story, I hope you know, like, when the, the people of God were enslaved to Egypt, uh, and when God chose to set them free from the oppression, that that was only a picture, a typo, a foreshadowing of what Jesus was going to do to anyone who believes. Because we are in oppression by sin, uh, through sin. Sin oppresses us, just like Egypt oppressed the people of, of God. And we were walking in darkness. We were wandering like the Israelites in the desert. And yet God, God sent us one. He raised up, he, he raised up one to come and rescue us from sin. And so you get all this, and so then you get God bringing the, his people through um, the Red Sea. He, he actually, he, he said, Moses, all you gotta do, hold out your staff. And then they were gonna see a great divide in this water because their obstacle, the people of Israel at first, was uh, we're at the edge of the water and behind us is, is Pharaoh's army. We are stuck, we're trapped. And God had to do what? A miracle to get them free, to set them free. And Moses, what I want you to do is, I want you to obey me, and all I want you to do is hold out your staff, and I'm going to make a way when there seems to be no way, which is who our God is. He always makes a way when we think there's no way. He always makes a way. He's faithful to himself. So that's what Moses did. He was faithful, held out his staff, boom, walked through. They got to the other side, and then they have their first worship and praise song. So you get the song of Moses, the song of Miriam, and, and Exodus 15. And then from there, you got Moses leading the people in the end, because it's like, hey, we still got this promise that we are a nation, but also we don't have our land yet, but God promised our ancestor Abraham that he is going to give us the land, and so we're going towards the promised land. But yet, before they get to the promised land, they are wandering, and then God wants to give them some instructions and rules and of how to be a people that were once enslaved, once were not a people, now God made a people for himself, and now, because God has made a people for himself, he wants to give them instructions on how you're supposed to live amongst other nations. It sounds very familiar to me. 
How when we are called out to be set apart amongst the culture that we live in, God gives us a way to live our lives. He says, come out from the world. Be separate. Be different. This is a famous statement. Not of this world. But yet, in that statement that Jesus talks about, that's echoing the, the, the story of Scripture, echoing where God pulled his people out and says, I'm going to make you set apart, different. I'm going to give you instructions to live so that, so that, not so you can just live different for living different sake, so that the nations will see and glorify me and come to know me, come to know that I'm the one true God. And yet, when Jesus, and you fast forward to Jesus' life, I hope you're following with me still. I know I'm all over the place, but I hope you're following with me still. I hope you know that like when Jesus talks about this, when he talks about his believers, his, his disciples, he goes before his father because before Jesus goes back into heaven, before he goes back into being with his father, he has his prayer. In John chapter 17, I believe it is, he says, I'm praying that you would not take these out of the world, but you would protect them from the evil one. So yet we're still called to live very much so in this world. But yet knowing that, that Jesus himself prayed that we would be protected from the evil one as we live our life, hopefully representing Jesus well, when we walk and work and do business, that we know that God's with us and we know that Jesus prayed for us, not to take us out of the culture, not, not, not to take us out of the world, but to be set apart, but also be protected from the evil one. This is the same thing that God was asking the people of Israel as well. I'm going to make you a great nation. I'm going to set you apart. You're going to be different so people can know who I really am. And then from there, they start to complain and argue and grumble. And because of their complaints and arguments, arguments and grumbles, remember, they were, in the, they were in the desert for 40 years, remember that, before they actually entered. And so we, we pick up the story. Actually, in Numbers, it gives us some insight. So write these scriptures down to Numbers chapter 14. It's beginning in verse 7. They said, they, they said to all the people who, of Israel, the land we traveled through and, the, and explored. Oh, my bad. Let me, say, let me stop. Well, they, get, they, they wandered. They get to the edge of the, of the promised land, and they can see it. But yet they send in spies. Remember that? M Moses sent 12 spies in. And in the 12 spies, there was only two that had a good report. That There's only two that were not fearful of the land, fearful of the people. But they, were, they, they trusted God's promises. They trusted God's word. And those two were Caleb and Joshua. So this, this, this whole story of Joshua leading the people of Israel to the promised land is very important because Joshua is one of the ones who actually went into the promised land to scout out the land, but also remembered God's promises and faithfulness and said, no, our God can give us this land. Our, our God's not too weak. Our God's strong enough to overthrow these giants, overthrow this land. And yet the other 10 were fearful and gave a negative report. So mind you, keep this in mind as we are talking about Joshua leading the people across to the promised land. Joshua actually was one of the ones that actually have, he's already been in the land. And then when he was in the land, he, he remembered God's promises. And so now, Numbers 14, 7. The land we travel through and explored is a wonderful land. And if the Lord is pleased with us, he will bring us safely into that land and give, a, and give it to us. It is a rich land flowing with milk and honey. Do not rebel against the Lord and don't be afraid of the people of the land. They are only helpless prey to us. 
They have no protection, but the Lord is with us. Don't be afraid of them. But the whole community began to talk about stoning Joshua and Caleb. They talked about picking up rocks and killing these two men because of their faith and remembering God's promises. Are you kidding me? So I'm going to be faithful. I'm going I'm to choose to believe what God said. And yet y'all are going to kill me because I'm choosing to believe God? Faith? It looks like Joshua and Caleb had faith. They, they trusted. They put their full weight into God's promises and who he is. And the whole community began to talk about stoning Joshua and Caleb. Then the glorious presence of the Lord appeared to all the Israelites at the tabernacle. And the Lord said to Moses, how long will these people treat me with contempt? Will they never believe me? Hear this, this church, hear what, what the Lord is saying to Moses. Don't just think that this question is just for them. And the Lord said to Moses, how long will these people treat me with contempt? Will they never believe me? Even after all the miraculous signs I have done among them, I will disown them and destroy them with a plague. Then I will make you into a nation greater and mightier than they. And if you jump over to Numbers chapter 32, I hope you're okay. This is how my mind works when it comes to reading the Bible. It is so connected. It's so like, so, so Numbers chapter 32, beginning in verse 10, then the Lord was very angry with them and he vowed, of all those I rescued from Egypt, no one who is 20 years or older will ever see the land I swore to give to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, for they have not obeyed me wholeheartedly. So I'm gonna ask right now, our, our action point is, uh, my illustration is I'm gonna have everyone that's 20 years older and up, go ahead and get up and walk out. Go ahead and leave the church. I'm kidding, sit in your chair. I'm kidding. Wouldn't that be something, right? Wouldn't that be something? That God's telling, God's telling Moses, because of my people, they won't follow me and obey me wholeheartedly. So anyone that's 20 years older and up, they will not enter into the, the, the promised land. They will not enter into the land that they've been wandering from. I've, I took them out of slavery so I could bring them to a, a land that's theirs, and yet they're not going to get there because of their disobedient heart. Because they're arguing and complaining. And if you look at the New Testament epistles, what Paul has to write to the church often is about complaining and arguing about God's people. He has to instruct us in how to be God's people. Because Jesus said himself, the world will know that we are his disciples if we love each other. Not just any type of love, but a sacrificial love. So when we come together as a community, it's very important, church, how we live our life with each other. It's very important that we forgive each other quickly. Yeah, but you don't know what they did. Yeah, but do you know what you have done to the Lord? And yet, what does the Lord do? He forgives us. Remember when he was on the cross? Jesus himself said, Father, forgive them. They don't understand what they're doing. So he forgives quickly. So if you want to be like your Savior, if you want to be like your Lord, if you want to be like this God that we've come together to worship and sing songs, mind you, we cannot sing this, we cannot see this God that we are worshiping, right? Where are you at, Jesus? Oh, yeah, he's not here. Guess who is here, though? You and I. Because we gathered, we make up the body of Jesus. So he's here. 
And yet because he is here and you and I are trying to follow him, Paul and, and Moses and, and, and the New Testament, they're always writing about this idea of how God's people live with each other. It's so important how we live with each other, how we forgive quickly, how we don't let offense cause a foothold for the devil to get in, how we don't gossip about each other, how we don't gossip about leadership. Oh, they just brought us out here to kill us. Moses, are you, are you kidding me? You just want to be... It's so easy to criticize. It's so easy to complain about any, anyone that's in leadership, in a church, in a business, leading a government, whatever it is. It's real quiet in here. <laughs> and yet, listen to what God's word says. Those who are 20 years older will never see the land that I promised them. The only ex- ex- expectation are Caleb, the son... And Joshua, son of Nun, for they have wholeheartedly followed. I want to encourage you, church, to examine your heart. Are you wholeheartedly following the Lord? I'm going to ask the band to come join me. I know I'm, I got a, a minute and a half left, but I want to have them come back out. If you're listening to me back there, go ahead and make your way to the stage, to this platform. Join me up here so I'm not by myself. <laughs> and what I want to do, church, is I want to encourage you in your faith. We're going to have... We, we see in Joshua and the people of God, they, there's so many obstacles that they face. And as Pastor David and I were talking, obstacles are not always bad. Obstacles, can, obstacles in our life can actually draw us closer to, to the Father. Oftentimes we see obstacles and we're like, oh my gosh, God's not with me. No, it's like sometimes obstacles come in our life. Opposition comes against us so that we can be reminded that God's with us and to lead us closer to him. And remember, like the people of God, remember when obstacles come in our way. Because mind you, in Joshua 3, there is a huge body of water. And not just any kind of type of body of water, but it's in the springtime. After the snow melt has fallen off Mount Hermon and the rain has poured. This thing is not just like any old type of river. It's a mighty rushing river. And so for God to tell his people, sorry, not just his people, but tell the the priests to go go before the people. And, what, and just like I told Moses, because this story of Joshua 3, it's reminding them of what God has already done in their life. I've already done this before. Remember when you were slaves to Egypt? I'm doing it again for you. And he tells, instead of going to the riverbank and putting out his staff, what he tells the people, of the priests, what God tells Joshua to tell the people, I'm going to send out the priests. I'm going to send out my presence before you. But the people carrying the Ark of the Covenant, their instruction was, you actually got to put your feet in it. Your, your souls have to be immersed. Can you imagine? Think about this past season we had and the flood we had here in the Central Coast and how everyone's like, be careful. Cars were going in and the cars were getting swept away. You think about how powerful water is when it's rushing. And, the, and God tells Joshua, tell the people of God that the, that the priests, those who... Work my temple. Work my presence. They're going to carry my presence. They're not just going to go to the edge. They're going to actually get in it. They're going to get in it. The obstacle could be, uh, I don't know. Jesus, God, do you see how strong this current is? We are holding your, we're, we're holding the, the, uh, the Ark of the Covenant too. So like, Think about the obstacle that the people of God had to face. 
they literally were told, put your whole feet in the water. And then, so they had an option. The obstacle for them was, am I going to actually obey God? Am I, am I going to disobey or am I going to obey? And yet we see in the scriptures that they obeyed God. And then what happens? God makes a way when there seems to be no way again. And it says that the people of God walked through the Jordan River. Can you imagine? Finally, we get to where God has call, called us to. Like, finally, we've been hearing at family re- reunions all this time that God's going to give us a land. God's going to give us a land for our own. He's called us to be a people of himself. And now the grandkids, the kids who are 20 and under, they now get to walk into this thing that they've been hearing about for generations after generations after generations. They finally get to go into God's promise for them. And then now now they can actually be a people that actually has land and they choose obedience. And so you see the people of God, they walk through. They walk through on dry ground. And I'm sorry that I didn't even like walk you through, through, through the text of Joshua 3. But one scripture that, that keeps coming to my mind, and, and, and Pastor Elena alluded to it last week. But, but this idea of Joshua 3 verse 5. Joshua 3 verse 5, it says this. God's talking to Joshua. Then Moses told the people, purify yourselves, consecrate yourselves. For tomorrow, the Lord will do great wonders among you. Mind you, we serve a God that goes before us and that is behind us and his love surrounds us like a shield. And they had the Ark of the Covenant, which represents God's presence being amongst his people, which we know who that is, Jesus, God, Emmanuel, that God is with us. And before they do something tomorrow, they had to do something today. Consecrate yourself, purify yourselves, get ready for what I'm about to do, God says. As Paul writes in Ephesians 3, our God is able to do more than we can even ask, think, or imagine. But before we get to the more, before we get to what God wants to do tomorrow, there's something we have to do today. He says, consecrate yourselves, purify yourselves. And this is the same thing he told the people of Israel when, when, when Moses was leading the people out. So he says, consecrate yourselves, which, they had, which was an idea that they had to go through some water, purify that, take a bath and change your clothes. So last Sunday, was it last Sunday or two Sundays ago, we had this baptism service where people were consecrating themselves before the Lord, purifying themselves before the Lord. Because when you come out of darkness, there's something that we have to do, church. But I thought we just had to believe in Jesus. You do. That, that is the work you have to do. Continue to believe that Jesus is, is who he is. That's why we go through down in the baptisms of water to purify ourselves, to consecrate ourselves. Now we, we continue that process of baptism. We continue that, that process of being set apart for the Lord. Consecrate and purify themselves was, a, was an act to set apart. Remember who you are. You are not like those people that you're about to enter, but you are a different people. I've called you to my name. And before I do a great work in you tomorrow, I need you to, I need you, you to do, the people of God to do a work today. 
I wonder, church, I don't know. It's not the, the text doesn't tell me. I wonder if the people of God would have disobeyed and not consecrated themselves, not purified themselves. I wonder if the Lord would have came through. I don't know. I'm not saying he, I'm not, I'm just, I wonder. So church, I want to encourage you as we sing this song, as we purify ourselves and consecrate ourselves before the Lord because he's about to do something tomorrow. Because how many know God's up to some, God's moving in our midst right now. He has been moving over histories of time. He is moving and he's going to continue to move. And yet, are we willing to consecrate ourselves before the Lord so that we can do something great tomorrow? <laughs> older generation that's 20 years older and up, are you willing to see the young people coming to the promised land? Because they're coming. They are coming. So church, I want to invite you to stand to your feet. We're going to close out our service with a song called Run to the Father. This idea that run to the Father is the idea that we don't run to culture. We don't run to ourselves. We don't run to our ancestors. We don't run to, we don't run to, to uh, false gods. We don't run to, we, we run to him. We run to him because he's faithful when, when we remain faithless. He remains faithful to himself because he cannot deny himself. So church, during this song, I want you to, again, remember the things God has promised his people. And think about the days ahead. But today, I want you to consecrate yourselves. I want you to purify yourself. I want you to remember. And, what, and, what, and, and how that works today is during this song, I want you to come to the altars. I want you to make your seat an altar. And I want you to do what, what King David did in Psalm 51. Purify my heart. Give me clean hands and pure, purify, purify my heart, oh God. Consecrate ourselves. So as we respond to what the Spirit of God is doing during this song, my prayer, Lord, is that your people would consecrate, we would purify, we would come back to you, we would remember your promises. And because we, were, we remember your promises, we have hope for tomorrow. That we are encouraged by your word, oh Lord. We thank you, Lord, that your presence actually goes before us. So even tomorrow, Lord, as we go into our business, as we, get, as we go into our job, as we go to school, God, we know, we thank you, Lord, that you are already going before us. Prepare the way. In Jesus' name. Amen.
Thank you that we can run to you over 
and over and over and over and over again. And that we're not met with ridicule, and we're not met with impatience, God, but we're met with your grace. And we just thank you for that, God. We thank you that we can just come to you again and again. We can lay it all at your feet for the 1,000th time, and you're going to meet us with your grace. We thank you that you have gone before us. We thank you that you're with us. And we thank you that our hope is in Jesus alone. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, one of my favorite parts about the story of the, the Israelites crossing the Jordan River um, is that when, when they, the priest, it says, the minute that the priests put their feet into the water, the water started to cease. However, it started in a whole other town upstream. So those priests, they didn't get to see that right away. They have to stand strong and be courageous in that water because it didn't happen right away. But that is what we are called to as the people of God is to be faithful to take that step to put our feet in the water, even if we don't see the way that God is working in the immediate moment right then and there. But he, we know and we have confidence that he's working upstream and he's gonna make a way for us. And so at New Life, as we're praying about this series, we want you to take that step. We want each one of us to take a step in faith. It might be a little bit scary, but we want each one of us to take a step in faith, believing that God has deeper waters for you and greater things. And so last week you got this, uh, this little guide. If you were here, if you didn't get one or you already lost it, we have more. You can grab it at one of the connections. And this is just a great way for you to pray about, God, what is my step? What is my next step? What deeper waters are you calling me into? Maybe it's seeing a counselor. Maybe that's a great next step. Maybe it's joining one of our support groups or one of the Bible studies or even just coming to the women's gathering tonight. That could be a pretty good first step. Or men, yours is in a couple weeks, coming to the men's gathering. We would just pray that you would just take your next step in faith and obedience, knowing that God is going to do a great work in you. And so this week as you go, may you be people of faith. May you be people of faith, putting your hope in Jesus alone and putting your feet in that water and taking your next step. We hope you guys have a great week and we will see you tonight if you're a lady or next week if you're a man. <laughs>